We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz, and we are pumped up because tonight. We have a special guest with us. We are going to talk through a number of prospects, talk through some mock drafts, and then get a look into the trade that went down earlier this week between Seattle and Denver. So we are very pleased to bring back Danny Kelly of The Ringer. Uh, You can find his work there writing about the NFL, the draft, fantasy football. He also co-hosts the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Danny, it's great to have you back. Last time you were on, we talked about uh, Philadelphia for a while. Uh, A lot has transpired since then, and I'm really (laughs) now excited to talk to you about the the Seahawks later on. But how's it going, man? Uh, it's going pretty well. It's pretty well. I appreciate you guys having me on again. Always enjoy your pod. It's it's weird hearing the intro music and in regular speed because I'm normally like listening on <laughs> two, two X. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, this is good jam. It's all yeah. slowed down. Uh, but yeah, no, um, thanks for having me on. Dave, I broke out the good stuff uh, for Danny tonight. This is this is Booker's bourbon. This is Granny's batch from 2020. It's 126.4 proof. Um yeah, when, when Danny stops by, you, you get you get out you get out a nice pour. So Ryan McDowell picked that up for me. Nice. Uh, last time I was in Kentucky. Um, so yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's get into it with Danny here. And we should note this is Danny's intro music, or is that his theme music? I don't know if those are that's synonymous. A, that's his theme music. That, that just it's that just exudes like Danny's positive, like you know. Just, I don't know. I just, when I heard that, I felt like that's just Danny bouncing along, having a good time, talking about fantasy football. Uh, so, yeah. Sense. I get it. Let's get I into get the show it. sheet, Dave. All right. Let's do it. So, uh, we are going to start off. Um, Danny has spent a lot of time working through just a really, really sweet looking uh, rookie guide going through mocks. I want to get his high level opinion on this class when we kind of think of it from the lens of the positions that are going to be relevant in fantasy football. 
um, in comparison, maybe to like the last five or so classes, like if you had to, you know, put an adjective on this one, like good, bad, you know, neutral, where would you put it? <laughs> Deep, I would say. Deep. Okay. I like um, it. I think it's obviously not, I don't think it has as quite as high level prospects at the very top. So it's not top heavy, but um, I'm just like looking at some of the guys that you can get in round three right now. And I'm like, yeah, that that's kind of nice. I, I'm actually kind of excited about this. Obviously a lot will change once the draft hits and we see how late, some of these guys go. Um, but as it looks right now, like I'm excited about third round picks. I think that's a good sign um, and for the depth of this class. I think there's quite a few like running back sleepers that might pan out. Um, and then obviously the receiver class is really deep and, and no one seems to have any consensus on it. So you might find some value there. So um, yeah, overall I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Awesome. Um, we always like to hear about that depth and it's always exciting too, when there might be some running back sleepers hanging around. But I do want to start here with a more well-known player, and that's Drake London. Um, Mm. I'm curious as to, I guess, A, if you think that he should be the first wide receiver to go in the draft, and then where you would like to see him go, and if you think that's actually in play. Oh, that's a good question. So right now I've got Traylon Burks as my number one receiver, but right behind him I've got London. And so, like, should he go first? You know, I don't have like a strong, strong opinion that Burks are over London because they're kind of different styles, guys, right? Like London is a a prototypical X type receiver. I think Burks has spent most of his time in the slot. He does line up outside a little bit, but um, he's more of like a slot Debo Samuel-esque type player where you're moving him around the formation. London is more like that prototype X type guy, that red zone threat, the uh, possession receiver type player. So um, I kind of get the suspicion now based on like what happened at the combine that London's going to be the top guy to go off the board. I, it just feels like the NFL really likes him. Um, he didn't do anything to hurt himself at the combine cause he didn't run. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he runs at his pro day if he does run, but he looks to me like a top 10 pick. I could see him going to the Falcons. In fact, I haven't mocked to the Falcons in my, in my latest mock draft. Um, I think that would make a lot of sense. They have like no receivers right now and getting Matt Ryan, if they want to compete, with Matt Ryan in the final couple of years, of Matt Ryan's contract, which they're kind of stuck with right now, unless someone wants to go trade for him. Um, it would make a lot of sense to me for him to go for them to go get him. Um, I mean, he would make sense for the Browns. I'm like reticent to say that Ooh, because boy. I don't really want him to go to the Browns <laughs> um, uh, or like the Eagles who apparently were yeah. in on uh, Calvin Ridley before he got suspended for the season. Um, it sounds like they're going to be looking for more help at receiver. That makes a lot of sense for them. Um, and then obviously the saints, you know, need more weaponry depending on what they do at the quarterback spot. So there's a lot of teams in the top 15 that it really wouldn't surprise me if they went and got Drake London. I mean, so Dave, uh, the, the shades of is one of the, the coolest parts of, of Danny's mocks. Yep. And if, if you guys have never checked out Danny's mocks, um, you can check them out. NFL draft dot com. Uh, we'll be sure to, to tweet that out. But he's got Drake London shades of slim Mike Evans with Dennis Rodman. I mean, <laughs> I love cool. that. I just I want I want to have him on every roster now. Um, <laughs> and, but Danny, I mean, you make a great point too. You know, the Falcons are extremely. Uh, I mean, they're they're in a really bad spot here, where they they basically have to invest in Ryan um, or just chalk this up as a wasted season. The NFC right. South is going to be right. very winnable, yeah. and I, I love the note Matt Ryan getting him another big bodied player. I mean, I would hate to have to line up a defense across from Drake London and Kyle Pitts, a couple of Redwoods out there just yep. doing all kinds of damage. Yep. So, um, I, yeah, I really like this spot. Anything you want to add there, Dave? Um, you know, I don't really have too much to add other than when I see um, a player 
getting compared to Dennis Rodman at the wide receiver <laughs> position. I find that very exciting that I think about the Falcons roster and I get really excited, but what could happen? You pair him yeah. up with Kyle Pitts for Matt Ryan. I think it could be pretty fun. Oh yeah. So if we continue along in your mock though, uh, Danny, I- I'm curious about this. Malik Willis is the next player uh, in a fancy relevant position that makes his way into here. Uh, clearly the hype has been rising on him Yep. Do you think that it's justified? Should there be all this excitement swelling around him like there is? I do. I think so. Obviously, you have to have a little bit of disconnect between fantasy football and reality football. It's the same discussion we're having, I think, with Jalen Hurts, who was probably a little bit more polished, a little more accomplished as a passer coming into the NFL. But I think Willis has better tools. He's faster. He's more explosive mm. as a runner. So you give a little bit up there, but you take you take some back as a runner. I think Willis is the kind of guy who can come in and rush for, you know, 800 plus 900 yards in a season, plus a bunch of touchdowns because he has that ability um, on the ground. And he's like, you know, so explosive, such a natural runner. I've been saying, I think he'd probably be the second best runner in the NFL uh, at quarterback behind Lamar Jackson. When he comes in, I mean, like, I guess Hertz would be the other one he's competing with. Who else are we talking about here? Um, because I think he just has that explosiveness and speed. I've been, you know, I read on, in the athletic, I think he was running like four threes. I'm not sure he's actually that fast, but when you're in that ballpark, like he's going to do a lot of damage on the ground. Um, and so of course landing spots important. And of course, before the draft, it's hard to really put a value on him, but like he's the one quarterback in this class that I'm like actually excited about taking a chance on. Mm. I would say that um, just because I think that rushing upside is so huge. And, and he's probably, if he is a, first round pick if he's like a top 15 pick which it's sounding and feeling like he's gonna be i mean he's gonna get three years in the league at least so obviously you're gonna have question marks down the line i think it's gonna be the same deal probably that we're having with jalen hurts right now we're in the dynasty community people are still not really sure if they're supposed to like buy in to this guy but in the short term in like a three-year window yeah. i think he could be like a top a top five fantasy receiver or a quarterback because of the the rushing upside so that's the reason I'm excited about him. And, it, and of course it depends on where he lands. So I'd like to clarify here a little bit. You say people in the dynasty community aren't sold on Jalen hurts. That's people excluding me. Exactly. I've been in on hurts uh, all, all along, but I, I mean, I, I love yeah. this. And I think that the cross check that I have for you here is, I mean, is Willis in consideration in the Superflex flex one one spot? Uh, for you in those rookie drafts because of the upside, because we're having trouble getting him all the way there in our road of his uh, right. ownership team mocks. It just seems like the highest we've been able to push him is third and yep. nobody's been willing him to take him one overall. Yeah. I think that's where I am too. Um, okay. I think it just depends on your league, of course, because you know, some teams are going to have a stronger need at running or sorry, at quarterback, um, you know, and so maybe they'll be willing. It's kind of like, you know, how we saw Kyle Pitts be the one-on-one in some super flex leagues last year, even though it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily like the rational thing to do. It's like you get so excited about a guy that he becomes the one-on-one um, over some quarterbacks. And, um, you know, maybe that was actually the right choice based on what happened with some of these rookie quarterbacks last year. So we'll see. But I think, yeah, right now I would have him penciled in at number three. I still would go probably Brees one. Uh, Burks too, even though Burks, I guess, is kind of like, yeah, you know, losing some of his luster, I guess, based on his, yeah. his um, not super exciting numbers, even though I think they were still pretty good numbers, but like they weren't what people were expecting kind of deal. So, um, I don't know. What do you not have? You don't have Burks at number two then? 
Was that the uh, we, well, he's still going one or two okay. uh, in, in our our drafts, except for the one draft where where Mr. Dave Caven took Garrett Wilson at the yeah. at the one. So so yeah. we're doing we're doing six mocks, you know, kind of mixing up our order uh, and creating some internal Rotoviz analyst ADP. And, uh, you know, D- Dave throwing in the, <laughs> the curve, the wild card there. Yeah. Uh, but, but I love it. I mean, it, it's a nice to have conviction even at the, the top of a draft there. But, uh, for the most part, I think that that's pretty much the consensus is Willis, Burks and Hall in yeah. some sort of order for Superflex. And that's a natural transition point. Um, Dave, I know you wanted to hit, uh, Traylon and Danny says Traylon Burks has shades of Debo Samuel with a power up mushroom. Uh, which I absolutely <laughs> love, you know, Danny notes, um, you know, he's got field, uh, field tilting speed. I love the comment about him not necessarily being, you know, a, a, a prototypical X. Cause I think people see the size and if you didn't watch right. a lot of college football, you just see, Oh, six, two, two twenty five, see all these stats and you just ass- kind of make an assumption. But yeah, this is a bit, like, I, I think he could be really, I would love to see a Terrell Owens type outcome where, you know, you know, he's moving around the formation and man, if you just give him the ball at eight to, tw- uh, eight to 12 yards deep, it's just murder yeah. uh, for yeah. defenses. So that, I, I'm very excited about what Burks could do, but you know, it, it was a little disappointing to not see him, you know, post DK type uh, uh, speed numbers. I think, yeah. And I think people will kind of get over that as we go further along in the process, maybe like it'll be less fresh and then we'll get back to like the numbers Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the profile, everything kind of points to him being one of the top receivers taken in the draft. I, you know, obviously there's, there's always going to be worries and maybe he isn't as lock solid as some of the guys that we've had in recent years, but, um, I'm still pretty confident. I had sort of like that crisis of faith, I think during the combine where it was like, <laughs> man, am I like take locking yeah. on this guy? And, and just, yeah. you know, it's so hard. There, there's so many mind, there's so many mind, like it's a minefield when you're going <sighs> through the pre-draft process and trying to decide what matters. Um, and you know, trying not to succumb to groupthink, but also like the wisdom of crowds sometimes is correct. It's like hard to like walk that line. And so right now I'm, I'm definitely like holding strong on Burks as wide receiver one, but, um, you know, I've, during the combine, there's a lot of people who are just like, Oh, this is not good, man. Like he's definitely not as explosive. And when when you're not very refined as a route runner, like if if you're living on that explosiveness, when you come into the NFL, it's going to be like that much harder. So I think there's definitely like two, there's definitely to something, something to, uh, you know, those arguments, but I'm still just kind of like holding strong and and believing. The week leading up to the combine is basically, okay, I'm not going to pay attention to this age production, draft capital, age, production, draft capital, age, production, draft capital. Oh crap. He's two tenths slower than I thought. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. What do I do now? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it, it is, it is such just, uh, it, it's, it's torturous. Um, but you know, I love a couple of the other notes in the scouting report, Dave, here, uh, before you respond, you know, Danny notes that Traylon wears size five XL gloves, um, <laughs> which is, you know, I, yeah, I would consider that an extraordinary physical trait. Um, bench press is almost 400 pounds, squats over 500 power cleans, 320 as a power lifting aficionado myself. I have mad <laughs> respect for that. Very difficult to do that at, yeah. at six, two. Um, and you know, playing in the sec, you know, we've seen, you know, the players who produce at this type of level in the sec, it, you, you are over the course of time. If you were to, to draft them at ADP or even above, you're going to come out ahead. In, in your dynasty draft. So um, that that's the thing, man. I mean, I, I made a mistake, an adjustment mistake on AJ Brown. 
I made an adjustment mistake even on DK after it looked like, you know, he was basically a shopping cart going around the cones in his combine. And uh, I'm just like not making the mistake care. again. What was your, <laughs> was, what was your adjustment for AJ Brown? Because I actually think landing spot. and landing okay. spot. Yeah. Yeah. A um, different type of mistake. Yeah. Cause I was like, just as you were talking, I'm going back and reading my scouting report on AJ Brown and literally like the, the top level description I've got aggressive and productive slot receiver. Yeah. Like he played in yeah. the slot in college. And yeah. I know that that's like a similar thing with, uh, with the Burks thing. It's like, Oh, can he only play in the slot? But like, sometimes you have to project these guys with very good physical traits, great size. Um, and, Burks is very aggressive, like physical. He's not going to back down. He goes up and wins at the catch point. Like there's all these very good, encouraging, positive traits. And I, I think mm-hmm. I saw, and uh, forgive me because I saw this on Twitter. I can't remember who tweeted it, but basically he, I think he ran like 30% of his routes outside this last season. And he was like five something yards per, per uh, yards per route on the outside, which is oh, like unheard of. Yeah. So, um, I think he's got the ability to like play all over the formation. Of course it is a risk. It is a, uh, you know, like you have to project that at the next level. Um, but it, of course everybody's getting scared right now. And so I'm just trying to like hold strong and be like, look, I, I, I see this guy, I watch this guy I get super excited. I think he's got all the traits and, and he honestly kind of looks like a carbon copy of AJ Brown, slightly less um, explosive, I guess, but like not much. But I think he, he he seems to have better agility. Like I think I, I think Traylon's like a more fluid athlete than AJ mm-hmm. Brown. Um, you know, I, we're gonna alien we're gonna totally alienate the root of his audience talking about this type of stuff. We better we better uh, we better move on. Um, <laughs> Dave, Dave is salivating because I think he sees who is here at eleven in your mock draft. Dave, why don't you take this one? Because I know this is your guy. Yes. So we have Garrett Wilson here uh, in your mock going to the commanders, which makes me happy because earlier in the week, Curtis (laughs) and I were joking about how, you know, the last thing I want to have happen is Wilson go to the Jets, right? So at this point, things are still kind of in flux for the commanders. Let's say that this scenario happens and Wilson goes there. Uh, is that something that I need to be worried about? Would we actually rather him go to the Jets? I guess maybe speak about him. And, and if you want to pull in Burks here, too, about if you think that either of these guys really need to find themselves in the right situation or if a bad situation mm. could ruin them. Okay. Uh, ruin is a strong word. Mm-hmm. I think um, the worry I have is that you end up kind of like a Jerry Judy situation <laughs> where two years from now, like these guys land somewhere bad or whatever with a bad quarterback or a bad offense, a slow offense, a low volume offense. Like that's going to be Washington. That's going to be New York probably. Um, and then two years from now, we're like, I don't know. He hasn't really taken the jump yet kind of deal, but um, I don't think they're ruined. And I, and I do think Garrett Wilson is comparable, I guess, as a, as a prospect to Jerry Judy, I think maybe even better. Um, I, w- I haven't looked at like the, the one-to-one comps in terms of like analytics, but like Garrett Wilson, you know, extremely explosive, extremely sudden as a route runner, really productive, um, has the pedigree, has the production. I don't know. It's like, there's not, there's just a ton to like here. Um, some of the tape guys are a little bit down on him, I guess, but I think, you know, overall he reminded me of like a better version of Darius Tony. Um, I come to him to, let's see, I come to him to Odell Beckham, but on Red Bull, uh, mind you. Yeah. He's a little frenetic. He's and he's really sudden. Um, and he gets out of control at times. But I think overall, just, you know, that style of player. Hey, hey, Danny, I, w- would you care to guess who his number one 
sim player in the road of his prospect box score scout is uh you, you've said this name multiple times uh since we started talking about wilson i think i think you're gonna feel very redeemed it is jerry judy wow he's a 90 94 uh sim score match for jerry judy uh That's if, if he goes at, at 11 um other names that come to mind in his top 10 you know just to let you kind of uh have this sink in on the analytics percy harvin jalen waddle Tavon austin ted ginn obj shows up there in the top seven uh, Nelson Aguilar, Brandon Cooks, Henry Ruggs, Corey Coleman. That's his top 10. Yeah. So there's obviously some misses in there, but there's some really good ones too. Um, yeah. I, I, look, I, I do think landing, it's it's funny that we were just talking about A.J. Brown because I do think landing spot, does it does matter um, for some of these guys. And, and getting with a quarterback does matter. Like D.K. Metcalf landing with Russell Wilson was huge. It was huge for him. Um, and I think things would have been really different if he landed somewhere else potentially. And so, and then, you know, of course, Justin Jefferson, I think, is is sort of the opposite. Like him landing with Minnesota, I don't think anyone was really all that excited, and it's been like perfect for him. You know, like mm-hmm. for whatever reason, Kirk Cousins is feeding the guy, um, and that's great. Um, and I kind of want Kirk Cousins to stay there forever. But yeah, um, you know, it, it's it's very difficult to predict these things. I think because I remember when, yeah, like when Jefferson landed in Minnesota, it was like, oh, that's at least in my opinion, I was like, oh, that's not very exciting because they're sort of like a balanced team, or at least they had been, and you know, I'm not a huge Kirk fan. So it, you know, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to predict exactly how it'll go. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So... I've got to pop in now here, uh, Curtis, and, and ask this question. I, I don't even care if you had another direction we had to go because I'm looking at this mock and I am seeing two other quarterbacks going and I'm not seeing Sam Howell showing yeah. up anywhere in this mock. So, Danny, can you explain to me uh, <laughs> what is going on here? I'm not questioning your mock. I'm trying to get Number my one, head around. What is your problem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm trying to understand why. Number one, how dare you? Yes. Um, like, yes. Why, like, why is that? I look at the college production in comparison to these other quarterbacks. Yeah. I read about his versatility uh, as an athlete as well as a passer. And it just kind of, is, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble getting my head around this. What's going yeah. on here? So I think it, the Howell thing is interesting because I think the NFL is going to be all over the place on this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's some people that have him as a QB, maybe not QB one, but QB two or three. Um, and then I, I know that there are going to be some teams that see him as like a second or third rounder. I don't think he has, he doesn't have good size. Um, I don't really like him to be totally honest. Okay. Like I could end up being totally wrong on that. I acknowledge that. I think, uh, 
evaluating quarterbacks, quarterbacks is like one of the hardest things ever. So I'm just like yeah. throwing that out there. I just didn't really like him on tape. Like his feet don't match up with where he's throwing too much. Um, you know, his decision-making was a little bit off at times. He took off from the pocket and gets sacked a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really actually think his rushing ability is quite to the level. It's certainly not to the level of like a Willis. I'd, I'd way rather have Willis and some of the um, potential downside stuff that, that comes with him as a passer than I would with Howell, who um, I think is a, like a tough runner, but I'd like comp him more as like a runner to like a Kyle Juszczyk <laughs> versus like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, he reminds he, the way uh, he runs. It reminds me of Kyle Uchek. I don't know why. Just like his gait. That's but when we post this, can we just uh, can <laughs> can we make the title Sam Howe? Sam Howe future is fullback. the arbitrage Kyle <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure you know. I'm probably going to regret this segment, but like I don't know. I just didn't like him when I watched him, and um, you know, from what I've been hearing, it's like pe- teams are all over the place on him. He's he's a little bit. He's smaller, obviously. I don't yeah. think his arm is all that strong when he's trying to throw off platform. He's definitely aggressive downfield, and his stats are incredible. Um, so those would be the huge counter arguments to me. And I think analytically, as you pointed out, he's like probably the best quarterback in this class. Um, so it's hard, you know, hard for me to kind of like, uh, you know, marry those things two together because I just didn't really like him when I watched him. Right, and I think that makes sense, and that probably does speak to why I'm not seeing him. Um, as high as I would expect when you have people factoring in a variety of things. Uh, but you do have two other quarterbacks going in round one. Uh, so Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, out of those guys, do you view either of them as as players that have the potential to be elite passers in the league? Um, and, and, you know, like I, I know you have uh, Corral going to the Saints. Um, you know, how might that impact the future round where, the, you know, the team surrounding these players? Yeah. So I, I think in my actual rankings, I've got, I've got it Pickett and then Willis right next to each other. And then I've got, um, Ritter and then Corral, I believe. Um, Mm. and so I don't, you know, I'm not like super high on Corral either. I'm him and Howell kind of like remind me of each other in in the sense that like, they're both a little bit shorter than you want. I don't know if not, I don't know if either has elite physical traits. I know that people like Corral's arm. Um, and I think that's fair, but like he has a smaller frame. You know, he took a beating in college in terms of when he was running. So I don't know if you necessarily want him running a ton. And he reminds me, and this is not necessarily like a one-to-one combo, like stylistically, he reminds me a little bit of Tua in the sense that like they ran like an incredible amount of RPOs. That was like their offense is RPOs. Mm. And so you're going to have to come in and at least early, probably like design an offense that's very RPO based. And that we saw this, some of the issues that Miami had with that with Tua. And I think Tua is probably not as gifted physically in terms of like his ability to throw off platforms. So that might be what sets Corral um, like above a guy like Tua. But I think I'm a little spooked about the fast processing guys, the undersized guys like Tua and Corral um, and Howell. Um, I think actually Howell and Tua are, are somewhat similar too, in, in the sense that like, I just don't like, they don't have, the off-platform, out-of-structure playmaking ability that I that I look at, and like Kenny Pickett is really good at that. Kenny Pickett's really good out of out of structure, um, and so uh, I think all of these quarterbacks, generally speaking, have sort of major flaws, but also traits that would that they can like basically overcome these flaws. It's just a matter of landing spot and development and things like that. It just makes me nervous. I think that's that's kind of like the bottom line. Well, if Corral goes to New Orleans, I mean, he's going to have Slant Boy there. So, yep, you know, we yep. can we can make those quick we can make those quick throws, Slant. quick dump offs to Alvin Kamara. 
Um, I, I like the note about off-platform because stylistically, uh, Corral, to me, seems like a C-plus version of Mahomes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like... like I mean, just because he'll kind of try anything, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, you know, two other quarterbacks that come to mind, you know, maybe that just make you like frustrated to watch, but you're also like, man, that was really cool. Uh, Chad Kelly. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, and, Zach, and, and uh, yeah, but without the, uh, without the breaking and entering history. Mm. And then um, Zach Wilson, actually, I think I see a little bit of Zach Wilson. Yeah. In, uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think those are both fair. I, I have seen him comp to Zach Wilson. I think Wilson's arm was just more naturally like sl- yeah. slingshotty or whatever the word is. Like, you know how like uh, Aaron Rodgers just like flick, just jumps, flick of the yeah. wrist? Yeah, like yeah. jumps off your hand. Like, I think Wilson has more of that than Corral. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, again, quarterback, evaluating quarterbacks, there's so many variables. Landing spot's going to be huge. I want to, I want to like stress that a lot. Landing spot is huge for me in quarterbacks because when you get a system that you're surrounded by good players, it's obviously going to help you a lot. We saw what happened with Trevor Lawrence last year. We saw what happened with, uh, with Zach Wilson. Um, you know, so I think that those are big, huge variables that are probably going to make me feel better about these guys or worse as we get like done with the draft. So I think that's just kind of like where yeah. I am right now. Um, what's kind of cool with the the three landing spots that you have for these quarterbacks. And, and I mean, obviously Seattle's near and dear to your heart and it's been a, it's been a frustrating situation uh, for many watching, you know, wishing that it was different with Russell Wilson over the course of his career. But really <laughs> right. when you think about the Seahawks, when you think about the saints, when you think about the Steelers, those are all stable franchises. Yep. You know, yeah. the, the Seahawks have a history of giving the job to the best guy. Uh, the Steelers are the most patient organization probably in any professional sport. Sporting history. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, the, the Saints, I mean, yes, they have a transition away from Peyton, but they have a, a good surrounding cast uh, mm-hmm. for a young quarterback coming in. And they did try to get some stability by, you know, promoting from within uh, from the coaching staff uh, for the for the permanent head coaching job. So I, I just really think, I mean, it's kind of the optimal uh, for all three of these guys being, you know, somewhat yeah. subpar compared to yeah. some really high end classes in the last five to 10 years. If, if these are the three landing spots in the first round, I'm pretty excited about that. I am too. I am too. I think, and, and that probably played into how I did the mock because I'm always kind of like got the dynasty like angle in my mind. Um, yeah. So maybe that, maybe this actually doesn't happen, but I think there are like the Steelers have certainly been connected with Kenny Pickett. He's from, you know, Pitt. He's from that yeah. area, local kid. Um, the Seahawks, I think stylistically, it makes a ton of sense for them to go with Malik Willis. I don't know if they're going to be quite ready to take a top 10 quarterback right now. I don't know like what their plan is. Obviously they're going to explore free agency and trades and stuff, but um, you know, this is an opportunity for them to grab a guy that could play a similar style offense, I think, as re- what Russell Wilson did early in his career, where it's like read option, bootleg stuff, you know, making stuff happen out of structure, which is Willis's forte. Um, and then you kind of take the good with the bad, you know, because he's clearly going to need some development and, and all that stuff. But I think like skill set wise, he could probably play that style of role. Yeah, and anybody can give Rashad Penny 400 touches. <laughs> so, so um, who else do you want to hit here, Dave? I mean, we're actually almost all the, all the way through. You know, I know Danny's uh, got a heart out here. Yeah, about so I I actually yeah. want to transition. I, I, there's more wide receivers I'd love to ask about, but, but I've yep. got to get his take on the Russell Wilson trade. I want to yeah. hear, uh, yeah. if I were a Seahawks fan, how I should be feeling about this, and then maybe what he thinks this means. 
um, for the Broncos offensive players and their outlook. And then if there's a negative impact on the side of Seattle for the wide receivers. Um, so I don't, I don't, I wouldn't presume to tell uh, Seahawks fans how they feel. Here's how I feel. Um, my first shot, my first reaction was like, holy crap, they actually traded him. That is yeah. wild. I can't actually believe it happened. Cause I know we've been talking about it for honestly two years now, almost it feels mm-hmm. like, um, like, are they going to trade Russell Wilson? Are they going to do it? No, they're not going to do it. Well, maybe they're going to do it. I don't know. Who knows? And then they actually did it. Like, I can't believe they pulled the trigger on this trade. Um, so that was like my first reaction was like, holy crap, they actually did it. Um, and then if I'm being like completely honest, as someone who covered the team, you know, for field goals, Espionation blog early on in the Pete Carroll, uh, John Schneider era, you know, I started in 2011, I think, or 2012, um, like right before Russell Wilson came around. And I've kind of got to do the whole team building thing with, with Pete Carroll and, and John Schneider. And, and honestly, like as someone who digs in deep to all this stuff, it's really kind of interesting and fun. There's, they're probably not going to be as good, like just flat out. Russell Wilson's a really good quarterback and you need a really good quarterback to win in the NFL. But it's also just straight up going to be fascinating. I think to see kind of like how they do this, they're going to have going into this year. I think they have like almost 50 million in cap space. And then next year in 2023, I was looking at uh, over the cap. They have something like 130 or 125 million in cap space in 2023. They have basically the most cap flexibility of any team in the NFL. So they can basically rebuild this thing on the fly pretty quickly, I think, utilizing that cap space. They have two first rounders uh, next year. They have one first rounder this year. Um, so look, they have the, the draft capital. They've got the cap space. And if they play their cards right, course they have to do that which is not a given whatsoever if they play their cards right like things could turn around pretty quickly here they got to figure out the quarterback situation of course um but yeah bottom line i'm kind of fascinated to see how it goes it it, you know like not to not sound like a totally over you know like spoiled brat like fan or whatever (laughs) but it had kind of gotten a little stale you know with like the way the seahawks play over the last like four or five years and so you know not that i'm like I was I was on record and I remain this way. I was always on record saying they shouldn't trade him. But now that they have, it's kind of interesting, I would say. Well, first off, uh Ryan McDowell's in the house. Uh what's Ryan. up, Ryan? Um uh yeah, and, and Danny, you know, I think to me it just feels like Seattle wants to recapture that rookie quarterback contract magic yeah. uh, that they had with with Russ. You know, if we make everything else on the team so strong, we we only need a certain level of quarterback play to make this work. Yeah. Um, so, and, and the AFC is where all of the talent is at the quarterback position is now yeah. anyway. So, you know, you know, maybe a complete team is the type of team that could get it done in the NFC in the next couple of years. Um, Dave, I'm really glad you brought that up because there's probably nobody more qualified to, to riff on the Seahawks than Danny. I mean, I was literally writing about it today. Um, I think an article will come up tomorrow. Is basically, I was going back and reading some like quotes from Pete Carroll early on in his career, or not early on his career, yeah. early on in the Seahawks tenure. Um, and yeah, you said it. Like he he doesn't want a quarterback to throw the ball a bunch. Like in his ideal oh. world, he he's a sicko. But in his ideal world, they're like throwing twenty five times. They're getting yeah. turnovers on defense. They're making plays on special teams. It all comes together. It all fits together. It's the circle of like uh, I forget what he says, the circle of something, the circle of power or whatever. Um, It's like tackling, hitting (laughs) physicality, you know, taking the ball away, protecting the ball. It's like all this stuff. And and, and he like believes it a hundred percent. He thinks he's the all time great way to win in the NFL. And he like, doesn't care that all the fans like, look, man, can you please stop 
running on first and second down. He doesn't care. Yeah, it's, ch- it's chalkboard. <laughs> it's chalkboard football from the seventies, but you know, Pete Carroll is like 70. So it all kind of makes <laughs> really, kind yeah, of makes that's sense. his formative years, yeah. man. Yeah. It's not changing now. Um, well, he is actually, I, I take that back. He is, I think he is willing a little bit to change what they're doing defensively, like schematically, but like overall, mm-hmm. like protecting the football, making it easier on your quarterback, sure. um, running the ball. And like, he's never going to go away from the idea. Like if you don't turn the ball over, like the odds are, are that you're going to win. Like he believes that hundred percent. He doesn't care how ugly it gets. He doesn't care how much it sucks to watch. Um, if you don't turn the ball over, you're going to win. That's why they punt so much. That's why, you know, all this stuff. Um, he, he truly believes that he's like a true believer in it and he's never going to change. And, and so, you know, maybe this is the best way to like go about it because if you're going to pay a guy $50 million a year and then not have him throw, you know, that what, what's the point in that? So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. So if we think though about Metcalf, Lockett, other players, in this offense, obviously not knowing who the quarterback is makes it really hard to do. Right. But just right. from a ranking perspective for the time being, until we know actually what shakes out there, do you think that dynasty managers need to lower the rankings on these receivers? Uh, I mean, like with Metcalf a little, yeah. Like, it, mm-hmm. You know, it's clearly going to matter. It's clearly a, it's clearly a factor because he had a perfect quarterback with him now they were never a perfect like volume passing team of course but like the style that russell wilson plays with moonball deep shots extremely extremely accurate like that was perfect for metcalf what his what his skill set gives you so i think it's certainly not a it's not a positive i wouldn't drop him down too much i know that like some people were um, debating whether you take Cortland sutton or dk metcalf on twitter the other day and i'm like man metcalf is still so good. Like he's still really, really good. I know that yeah. that it definitely helps Corlin Sutton uh, with Wilson there. And I'm not like debating that, but like I still would have Will, uh, Metcalf way higher. Um, so I think, you know, it's one of those things where how far does he fall down? I think that's tough because we don't know the quarterback situation, but it's probably going to be a situation where it's a significant drop off. And, and with Lockett, especially, man, it's tough days for Lockett. Hopefully he gets traded, <laughs> like just yeah. for his dynasty value. I, I kind of feel like w- one of them will. I, I don't know yeah. who it'll be. I, I was I saw plenty of Metcalf trade rumors uh, the other day, and I think you know his contract. Uh, but ne- next year's year five, right? Um, uh, yeah, I think next year. Yeah, I think next year will, would be his option year. Um, oh, Metcalf I, doesn't even have one. He was a second rounder. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. So it's just straight up next year. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah, it's, it's after year four. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. It like it's hard for me because I'm like this is the type of player you want to trade for. You know, if you're the Seahawks, because you're rebuilding yeah. or whatever, you know, you're retooling. Yeah. Don't say rebuilding. That's it's a bad word. But um, I don't know. I think it would make way, way more sense for them to trade Lockett because he's like 29 and, you know, whatever. But he, his contract is not that tradable. I think there's like 15 million in dead dead cap this year. So uh, that's not great. But like maybe they'll just eat that and then like have the extreme roster flexibility going into 2023. That might make the most sense. All right. Well, I have many more questions that I would like would like to ask, but we have to be respectful of Danny's time here. Uh, so <laughs> sorry, that's my it's my son's fault. Blame Calvin. Oh, got to go watch Calvin. Unbelievable, Calvin. <laughs> but hey, before you go, why don't you let everybody yeah. know maybe some of the exciting things that you have going on coverage they can expect uh, for you to put out and where they can find you? Sure. Um, the Ringer NFL Draft Guide at The Ringer. It's at nfldraft.theringer.com. Uh, I am the co-host of The Ringer NFL Show, which is a 
part-time show. It's actually during the regular season, the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, but right now it's the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Uh, so go check that out on Spotify or wherever. And then uh, you can find me on Twitter at Danny B. Kelly. And I think that's about all, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate you coming through. And uh, we will it. look forward to getting you back sometime soon. Absolutely. would love to. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.